Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Talked about it in the Sunday school hour. I'll not get back into the history of it as far as I know, but I want to I look at something that the Bible says about the church. Now, you have your own opinion. Everybody has their own opinion this day and hour of what they think the church should be. And uh, sometimes we voice those opinions. Sometimes we, we acknowledge uh, the good things that the church does, and then sometimes we talk about the things the church should do that it doesn't do. We, you know, we're... We're just kind of given to those kind of thoughts. Uh, we're not a perfect church. There isn't a perfect church. And I've often heard that if you ever come across a perfect church, please don't join it and ruin their record because we're not perfect people. Amen. We're just sinners saved by grace. Amen. Stay with me now. And so what is the most important characteristic of a church? Now, there are so many things. I could talk about missions and evangelism, and, and I could talk about all the ministries and all those kind of things, but I think that in this day and hour, the most relevant thought would be what I want to speak on for the next few moments, and it is the church, the foundation of truth. Let's see what Paul says. Now, if you're a young preacher or if you're a preacher and you have uh, aspirations about one day, I want to pastor a church. I want to be a pastor. I remember when I was a young Christian, I used to watch Brother Allen and, and uh, another story within itself. I used to watch him. And I remember when the Lord called me to preach and, and I, I thought, man, that's, that's the best thing in the world could ever happen to me. And it has been. And I'm thankful for that. But if you have any, if you, if you aspire to be a pastor or an evangelist or missionary one day, you need to saturate yourself in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. If you have any desire at all to ever be in the ministry, if you never have an opportunity to go to Bible school and grab, graduate seminary and get letters behind your name, you need to make sure that you know 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus I remember just burying myself in it as a young preacher because the preacher told me to. And I, I remember just, just when I needed to be studying somewhere else, I'd migrate back over here to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. If you have any inspiration in your life, and I don't want to labor this point, but it's too important to pass it up. If you, if you desire to one day start a church, or if you desire one day to serve a church, you need to make sure that beyond any shadow of doubt that you bury yourself in these books. And so we have the responsibility of, we might have the responsibility of starting a church, we learn how to do it here. We might have, you know, I, I started to put pastor and all those kind of things, but to stay with my alliteration, I just put serve the church. That's what a preacher is. He's a servant to the church. By the way, deacons should be that as well. They should serve the church. Amen, 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 amen. 
And so we're just servants. Paul, with all the accolades and all the credentials that he had, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, started missions around the world, and the list goes on and on and on and on. When Paul starts out the book of Romans, here's what he says. He didn't say, Paul, the Ph.D., nothing wrong with that. But he said, Paul, the servant of Christ. You'll never be any more than a servant. And so if you, if you have a desire to start a church, if you have a desire to serve a church, or if you have a desire to sustain a church, you need to make sure you know these three books like the back of your hand. I said, I'm glad somebody told me that early on. And so now we want to look at this, and I'll try to hurry along as quickly as I can and because uh, I'm ready to go eat. I looked, I looked at some of the food earlier. And so what he says in this verse, in verse number 15, he said, but if I tarry long, he's told him all these things about the church. If I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. We need to behave in the house of God. Which is, and there's a lot to that. I've preached on it before. Uh, which is, look at this, the church of the living God. Make no mistake about it. It is the church of the living God. It doesn't belong to the Baptists. It doesn't belong to the Methodists. It's not family-owned. It is the church of the living God, or it's not a church at all. It's not, it's not a, a community of, 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 of stakeholders that own the church. It's not the deacons. It's not the trustees. It's not the pastors. It's not the pastor's family. It is the church of the living God or it's not a live church at all. And believe me, I've been to some of those that were family owned. I've preached in more than a few of them. Which is the church of the living God and then this statement, this will be our springboard. What is the church of the living God? It is the pillar and the ground of truth. You know, the, the best thing that goes out of this place, of all the things that we do and all the social things and all the community things and all the benevolent things that we do and all the, the singing that goes on and the meetings that go on and, and uh, all of the things of the missions program and the buses that run up and down the highway and the Christian day school and, and the list is just a, it's an exhausting list. When I start going over it, I get tired. But all of that, is nothing without truth. I started thinking about that more recently than I have in some time. When I was a young man, as many of you, truth was a precious commodity. It has no value today. When I was a young man, my dad, I, I, can, I, I never, I never, my dad died at 84 years old, uh, about 15 years ago, I guess it's been, and uh, I never... I can never think of a lie that my daddy told. He would not tell you a lie. He'd go to jail for he'd tell you a lie. And his daddy was that way, and his granddaddy was that way. And there was a whole generation of people that you could not buy a lie out of them. It's not that way today. And we're going to see why right here in the Scripture. The most precious commodity that we have 
It's good to have money in the bank, and we have money in the bank. It's good to have buildings paid for. Three and a half million dollars worth of property uh, recently evaluated by the insurance company at 80% value, three and a half million dollars. Everything's paid for. Not a dime owed anywhere around here uh, as far as this property is concerned. All of those things are wonderful. Over 35,000 square feet of buildings. All of these things are wonderful and, and grand, uh, but nothing is more important than the truth. The truth. And we'll see why right here in the scripture. Now this is, there's two terms that he defines this matter of truth in relationship to the church he said first of all now I'm preaching on the foundation of truth he mentions the pillar those of you who are in construction work or bridge building or whatever the case may be you may understand when they talk about pylons and pilasters and pillars and uh, all of those kind of things but I wrote down the most simple definition that I could come up with in, in a dozen definitions, something to build on. You've got to have something to build on. How, you know, if, if the church is the pillar and ground of truth, and the word pillar means that we have something to build on, then what can we go to? Hello? Now stay with me. Wake up. Look at now. I'm not a complicated person, but I'm fully persuaded that. Watch English now. That you ain't going to find a whole lot of truth anywhere else but right here. And we're going to see why in just a moment. I think the most important thing of the mo the if if there's anything that you could write on my gravestone, if there's any kind of epitaph, that, you know, to be there, and if, if you could say, he was a good man, or whatever, or, or whatever you might think, but if I could go to my grave, like my daddy went to his grave, if I could go to my grave, and if I could finish up my years in ministry, and people, would, he, he's not the best preacher, he's not the best pastor, but he's not the worst. You know, he's kind of middle of the road and he gets the job done and we don't even know how, but you know, somehow or another, but he always told us the truth. Just, uh-oh. There goes our little skink. He's coming this way. Stomp your feet. <laughs> Some. There you go. He's come. He, 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 he lives, he's just—he's a resident skink. He lives right up here somewhere, and uh, he's not here to hurt, harm anybody. But he can sure make you hurt yourself. <laughs> the pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and ground of truth. He's gonna mess up my good message, sure as the world. The pillars of, in particular, God's word. Something to build on. The second thing is ground, and let's move along quickly. I took all these definitions and compiled them and came up with this very simple thought, some place to build on, some place to build on. And so now we have a particular thing to build on, something to build on, and we have a particular place, and God has designated both of them, one of them being the Word of God, thy word is truth, and the other one being the church. The church should always be known for its truth. Just step on him if you see him over there somewhere. Right? 
He ain't going to hurt anybody. And so here's, and, and it means a place to bear up. And as, as the trio was singing a few moments ago, and I'll take the old time way, but I tell you the old time way is saturated with truth. That's not very popular today in most religious circles. I can't say Christian circles in most religious circles. And let's look at it. And so here's, here's my, here's my a summary of 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. It is, and this verse in particular, it is Paul's architectural and geographical image of the church. When Paul looks at the church, he sees two things. He said, I see uh, something to, to build on. I see a place to, for the truth. And he said, I see a place for the for the truth to be launched out. It's the greatest thing we can do is tell the world the truth. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You know, we're never told to build a church in the New Testament. You, you may but go to Bible school and spend a whole year learning how to build a church that Jesus said you couldn't build it if you tried. In one place, he said, in this place, he said, I will build my church. And he builds it on the pillar and ground of truth. He builds it on his word. He builds it on his church. Like I said, it's not anyone else's church. And so uh, he has made it perfectly clear. I, it's not when they hired me here and voted me in in 1980, August the 3rd of 1980, they might have brought it up. They might have said, now what are you going to do to build this church? And I probably gave them a good logical and theological answer, but the reality of it is, I ain't built nothing. In one place it said, it is God that buildeth all things. I can't even build my family. I can't even build myself. It is God that buildeth all things. And so, that makes it a whole lot easier on me. The purpose of the church should be these three, three things and then we'll, be, we'll almost be through. The purpose of the church, number one, should be preach the truth. Preach the truth. If all else fails, preach the truth. If all the programs and all the plans and all the blueprints, if they all fall through and nothing works, preach the truth. I heard, I saw this some time back. It said, if you want to make people happy, tell them what they want to hear. But if you want to make people different, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Not only should we preach the truth, but we should protect the truth. It is the responsibility of the church, the congregation of God's people, to make sure that we protect the truth of God. That's why we're so adamant about the King James Bible and make no apology around it in here because of all of those perversions, there's a lot of them, lose a lot of the truth. And we don't want to lose any of the truth. You see what I'm saying? It's not always popular. I hate being right all the time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> One time I thought I was wrong, and I thought it over, and I said, no, nope, I was right. No, I'm kidding. I'm right about this. The truth is the difference. We need to preach the truth. We need to preach the truth. Sometimes... 
And, and by the way, we're to, we're to preach the truth, but we're to do it in love. We don't hate anybody. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm not mad at sinners. I, I don't want it to appear that, you know, that, that, when, I'm, that when I'm preaching against all, all the sins of the day and hour, because we all have our own sins. But, you know, when we're not, we're not preaching against people. We're preaching against sin. I, I don't hate anybody because of who they are or what they've done or where they've been or what's going on. We don't hate anybody. We're to preach the truth in love. Hello. Preach the truth in love. Because in everything that we do, we do one of two things. You're, you're that way, I'm that way. If you're a teacher or whatever you do, uh, if you're an instructor, if you're whatever you do, whatever you say in life, when you're dealing with people, you're going to either help them or you're going to hurt them. You're going to help them or hurt them. You're, you're either going to drive them far away or you're going to draw them to Christ. And so we need to protect the truth. We need to preach the truth. We need to protect the truth. That is, stay with this book. Thy word is truth. We need to practice the truth. That's to live it. We're to live the truth. Number one, and very quickly, Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse number 23. Let me give you the outline. Number one is the value of truth. The value of truth is found in this verse. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. He said, buy the truth and sell it not. In that I see three things. Number one, that there is truth. Truth is available or you couldn't buy it. There's a lot of things you can't buy this day and hour. You, we've been looking for a bus around here because they're not building new buses. All the new buses are, are uh, all the used buses are new buses priced and it's just not a good time to invest in wheels. There's a lot of things that you can't get right now, but you can still get the truth. He said, buy the truth. The truth has a price on it, and, and the truth is available. Secondly, the truth has a price on it. There are some 50 million martyrs in the last 2,000 years have lost their life because they believe this book as the truth of God. Truth is available. He said, buy the truth. It's worth paying the price for. Somebody said, well, it's worth, it's worth the drive for a church that's alive. I tell you what, it's worth the drive to get to a church and tell you the truth. Whether it's alive or whether it's on some kind of health, uh, it's, it's on some kind of a health machine, life support. They're telling them the truth. It's worth the it's worth the drive. Worth the drive. The truth is available. Number truth. Number two. The truth has a price. Number th number three. Obviously, he and, the, and he said he said sell it not. So obviously, the truth can be sold, and it's sure being sold out today, isn't it? I've never expected to live in a day and hour where the where our nation. A nation that 30 to 40 years ago, that when you listen to a politician, when you listen to a preacher, when you listen to a, a newscaster, 
Walter Cronkite and all of those guys, you could know that you've heard the truth for the day. But the truth has been sold out. We don't have truth anymore. Outside the word of God. When politicians open their mouth, they're telling lies. You know they are. And they don't care. They know that all they're, all they're trying to do is reach into the next election cycle and every two years. And so whatever they say, they know that it's just going to be just for a quick moment. And so they say anything and uh, nobody ever gets a chance to challenge them about what the truth really is. And so we're, our, our nation has become a, a different culture to where people just lie without giving a second thought. Some of the folk are going out getting ready for the lunch, so don't, that's okay. Stay with me just a moment. And so we see, number one, the value of truth. It is available, it has a price, and it can be sold. It can be sold for fortune. It can be sold for fame. It can be sold for glory. I saw recently the other day, and, and I was amazed at, at, the, uh, at some of the, the preachers. Uh, they, they were given the uh, top 400 wealthiest people in America, and 40 of them were preachers. Anywhere from uh, $50 million a year to $750 million a year. And it was amazing to me, the one that was making $750 million a year is probably the worst preacher on TV. I mean, I've heard a lot better. What's the truth worth? If it's this truth, it's worth everything. The second thing is this. Look with me quickly, and uh, I'm trying to close out as quickly as I can. And now, in the book of John, he says something else about the truth. The result of truth, John 8, 31 and 32. Listen carefully. I got to hurry. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, and you're, then you are my disciples indeed. Verse number 32 John 8, and ye shall know the truth. Look at the result of truth. It'll make you free. The result of truth. The truth is God's word. God's truth can be known. And the third in our little outline this morning, God's truth will make you free. I'm amazed at the story of people that have been set free. Make, I, I, like, what the, I like the way the Bible said uh, it's one thing to be set free, but it's something else for the truth to make you free. It's kind of like there's, there's power in the truth because the truth comes from God and, and it will change you. If you'll, if you'll keep, and that's why people, they'll come to church one time, get under old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction, you don't see them again. They're running from truth. But if you'll hang around the truth long enough, you'll, it'll make you free. The truth that sets people free. It, it is the reality of that you can be made free from a life of sin. He makes the bad people, he lets them be set free and made free. And he makes good people free, hallelujah. And, and that madman of Gadara, the greatest example in the scripture of somebody that had gone all the way to the end of the road. And Jesus made him free through the truth. I want to say in closing, the collapse of truth. Look with me back over in the book of Isaiah. I want to read just a couple of verses here very quickly. 
a few verses, I should say. And, and so we've looked at the value of truth. We've looked at the result of truth. But what has happened to truth? Does the Bible prophesy about a time that truth will collapse and there'll be no value to it? Well, I say it does. And I believe this is quite a picture of America today and this culture change, this culture of just lies. I mean, it is, it is a blatant lie. It is, it is a straightforward lie when somebody tells you that, you that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. It's a lie. Hello. When they tell you that men can have babies. That scares me to death. Here I am, I'll be 72 tomorrow, and I'm worried to death now men can have babies. What in the world am I going to do with a newborn? Hmm? You, know what, you know what that is? It's a lie. It's a lie. And, and our children are being taught lies left and right, north, south, east, and west. We, they're just being bombarded with these lies, and, 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 and it goes on and on and on and on, but we've built a whole culture around, you know, this woke society and, and this gender. I, I was up at the uh, car show in Tifton yesterday, went up there, had a car show up there, ours two weeks away, went up there and passed out about 100 flyers and talked to some people. And one of my buddies from here in Valdosta, we went to Votech together many, many years ago. Uh, he was there and one of his friends was there and he looked at our brochure and it says, you know, hot rod class and classic car class and antique car class and goes on and on and it says, and more. And so his buddy looked at me and said, does more mean motorcycle? And I said, well, we don't have a motorcycle class. So my buddy, Johnny, he spoke up and he said, what you need to do is just bring your motorcycle and tell them when you get there that your motorcycle identifies as a 1957 Chevrolet. <laughs> That's where we live today. Here's what happened to truth. I don't have time to finish this morning. Verse number 9 of 59, the book of Isaiah. There's judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. Sounds like America. For our transgressions are with us, and as far as our iniquities, we know them. In transgression and lying against the Lord, look at that, and lying against the Lord, and departing away from God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. And look at this. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, 
And he that departeth from evil maketh himself prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Truth is fallen in the streets. Truth is fallen in the streets. There's one additional passage. It's found in the book of Romans in chapter number 1, in verse number 21. The collapse of truth. I preached from this text one time, and I called it truth decay. Use the analogy of not taking care of your teeth. Truth decay. He said, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And look at this, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Look in verse number 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at verse number 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. The collapse of truth the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever, say amen. And, cause, and for this cause, now listen carefully, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, a, a well-known preacher recently in an interview on national television, matter of fact, he was a leader of a great conference of believers. He said there's not one place in the New Testament of the Bible that ever condemns homosexuality. Not one passage of Scripture. Two immediately came to my mind. What Jesus said about as it was in David, Sodom, Gomorrah, even so it be in, in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And here it is again. But they changed the truth of God. I'm preaching about truth now. I'm not preaching about the sins and all those kind of things, but this is the example that we have given to us in the Scripture. There is truth, and it can be known, and it will set you free. It has great value. But when truth collapses, and it is fallen in the streets, and they're not telling the truth on the news, and they're not telling the truth on the radio, and they're not telling the truth to their children at home, and they're not telling the truth in the educational system, and they're not telling the truth in the church. Truth has collapsed in the streets. And the results of it are horrifying. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. Another well-known preacher, nationally recognized preacher, author of many books and pastor of one of the largest churches in America, he said God has made exception for those who follow the, the gay and lesbian and all that. He said that God has made exception for that. You know what that is? That's changing the truth of God into a lie. I didn't say it to be mean, to be ugly. But we're at a crisis in America. 
truth has fallen in the streets. Working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Look at this, he said, and even they... And uh, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You know what happens? We sin and we sin and we sin and we sin. And after a while, that reprobate, mindset sin. But where you'll agree to anything, you'll believe anything, you'll do anything. But the truth sets people free. It makes people free. Now you can resist the truth. But if you hang around it very long, it'll make you free. It'll make you free. The collapse of truth. Isaiah 59 Romans 1, 21 through 32. The reprobate mind is a mind that is void. It's not like you've gone crazy. You could be the most intelligent person in, on the block. But the mind has been seared with a hot iron to the place that the truth is without meaning. I wrote down several things about truth. I don't know if I put it in my notes or not. Uh, apparently I didn't. I don't remember. I think I had it written down somewhere else. But truth is not negotiable. You can't take, a, you can't take 90% of truth and then add 10% of false and it still be the truth. Somebody said, well, you know, I don't, I don't mind, you know, just a little bit of falsehood, just so I get mostly the truth. That's like telling you this dumpster out here in the, in the back, down at the very bottom of that dumpster is the best looking, I don't know, talk about this, we're fitting to go eat. There's a big old strawberry pie at the bottom of that dumpster, and we know strawberry pie is good. But we've got to eat all the garbage all the way down to the bottom before we can have the strawberry pie. You don't, you don't mix truth and falsehood. You don't mix it. it is, it's all the truth and nothing but the truth, or it's not truth at all. It's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. For me or for anyone else. Would you stand with us for prayer? Thank you for your time this morning. I think the important thing for the truth, the church going forward, is to make sure that we zero on the truth, not get sidetracked,